The Inside Story of a Toxic Culture at Maryland Football. That's the headline from ESPN that sent shockwaves throughout the college football world on Friday afternoon after the network published the findings of its investigation into the practices that led to the death of a player this spring. What exactly is known to have happened and what are the implications moving forward? It's August 13th. My name is Connor Tapp and you're listening to the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz. Jordan McNair, a 19-year-old offensive lineman entering his second year at the University of Maryland, died on June 13th of complications from a heat stroke suffered on May 29th during a Terrapins football workout. McNair's death has prompted a closer examination of the practices of head coach DJ Durkin and his staff. As a consequence, the University of Maryland has placed Durkin and three members of the strength and conditioning staff on administrative leave. Jeff Ehrman has been covering every angle of this story for InsideMDSports.com. Jeff joins us now. Jeff, Jordan McNair's death was the canary in the coal mine in all of this, so let's start there. What is known to have happened leading up to McNair's hospitalization on May 29th? Yes, so uh, on May 29th, they had a team workout in which players did 10 110s, 10 110-yard sprints, and uh, at about 45 or so minutes into the practice, he started showing signs of illness. You know, according to uh, reports that have surfaced from ESPN, he was... Uh, kind of goaded into getting across the finish line, teammates and, and staffers helping him across the finish line. And then that's where kind of the, the key point occurred in which, you know, they, they, the, the family attorney claims that there was about a nearly an hour, uh, lapse in time in which they should have, uh, treated him with ice and gotten him to the hospital quicker. Instead, they put him in front of a fan and waited too long to get him to the hospital uh, as a treatment for for heat stroke. Maryland has not released its findings about what exactly, how exactly everything unfolded. They have an independent investigation that's supposed to uh, be finished on September 15th. And I should say, two weeks after that, he never left the hospital. He uh, had a liver transplant, and two weeks after that, he died in the hospital. There seemed to have been, maybe lie of omission is a strong word, but DJ Jerkin seemed to not have been super forthright about having been present at um, the workout that led to McNair's death. Uh, But Maryland is now saying that he was there. How significant, if at all, could that detail ultimately be here? I don't know if that'll be significant because that's more of a media thing than an official channel kind of thing. I'm sure the family knew. I doubt that they denied to the family or uh, investigators or anything like that. So that more just looks bad, in my opinion, as a lot of these things have come out since then do. Um, But, you know, it was something that raised a lot of eyebrows that it wasn't mentioned until about a month later. Nobody knows for sure, uh, you know, exactly again how how what the timeline was it's the the attorney and several media outlets have requested video of the practice and the school has not released that yet so uh, there's still a lot of things we don't know espn's first report that came out on friday focused on specifically what happened with jordan mcnair later they published a second report that kind of broadened the scope of alleged mistreatment of maryland football players what are the key points from that second report 
Well, if you believe the report, then there's you know a toxic culture at Maryland in which uh, players, a player or players, were forced to overeat to the point of vomiting as a punishment, and you know where the uh, there's a lot of demeaning language used to players who failed at physical tasks, and uh, supposedly the strength and conditioning coach threw small weights and other things at players when. Uh, when he was angry, you know, they were all, I think it is important to note, and that's not to say these things aren't true, but they're all uh, unnamed sources. And so, you know, the feeling inside the program from the people I've spoken with is that they have a pretty good idea who these sources are and that a few, a couple players whose career didn't go as well as expected under Durkin and a few coaches, you know, he has had some turnover with coaches a few coaches who who parted ways or who he parted ways with. That's not to say these, you know, I'm not trying to minimize these things, but there's no, there's no on the record named sources, which in my opinion, you know, if you're going to write something this damaging and, and potentially cost somebody his career, I, I believe in my professional opinion is you should have some named sources included and there weren't. And I think you will see people involved with the program and maybe players and players' parents come out in his, in his defense, you know, because I think a lot of people were really shocked by those allegations. But, you know, at this point, it's hard not to just look at it as the damage has been done, you know, and, and the school reacted by suspending him or placing him on leave. And, and the, the court of public opinion is already a landslide. So how much of any of that actually touches on Durkin's behavior, or is it just kind of a situation where the buck has to stop with him? Yeah, I think it's the second one. None of the allegations named him directly. It's more of a culture thing, and obviously, as you know, anytime, whether it's a football team or uh, a company or whatever else, that the person on top is, is going to be responsible for the culture and the behavior. So. You know, I haven't seen anything that claimed uh, or heard anything where they claimed Durkin of being abusive or that he was the one who, if somebody dropped the ball, that he was the one who dropped the ball on Jordan McNair, but it's his program and his staff. Maryland had an internal investigation that was set to wrap up as a target date of September 15th. Do you think that's going to be the target date for when we'll find out something on whether DJ Durkin's going to be Maryland's head coach this year, or do you think it'll be something sooner than that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I know that he's going to fight it. You know, he's not just going to resign and go quietly. I think he feels like he's being wronged and that this was a smear piece directed by the attorneys of Jordan McNair's family, uh, that, that ESPN willingly went along with it, you know, for the sake of the story. So he's, he's not going to give up without a fight. I've been told he he's very upset. He feels, you know, uh, like this is his team and, and this could ruin his career, which very well could. So, um, that's tough to say, you know, it, it depends on whether, the school tries to fire him for cause or whether they just pay him the rest of his contract, you know, which obviously would make things move a lot faster. Um, I, I, my guess, my guess is that one way or another, you kind of have to make a move with him in the next, uh, three to four weeks at the longest. You just don't see people 
placed on leave for half a season or even whatever it is, any really lengthy amount of time before something's decided one way or the other. With Durkin on leave, Matt Canada is now the acting head coach. A bit of a whirlwind year for him, going from being LSU's offensive coordinator to having a weird situation fall apart there. And from what I've read of your reporting, the decision to... Uh, put him in this capacity is kind of politically complicated. So what's going on there and what are the expectations for how Matt Canada could perform as an interim head coach? On the first part, I think he was given the job largely because he's the new guy. He's the highest ranking, newest member of the staff. He's not tied to any of these past allegations. You know, they're going to investigate all these, but no matter what the result is, you know that he wasn't part of that culture because they just hired him in January, uh, you know, with the other guys on the staff, the other senior, most senior guys on the staff, they've been around. So that, I think that was um, kind of an insurance policy. Most people inside the program expected Chris Beatty, <clears throat> excuse me, who's their running backs coach and, and very popular with the players and recruited a lot of them. He's arguably their best recruiters. I think a lot of them expected him to be, named coach he wasn't for for those reasons i mentioned uh i think so far everyone's gotten gotten along well with matt canada who came to maryland with a little bit of a reputation as being difficult to work with um but now you know how he'll do is really hard to say he's been a coach for 25 years never a head coach at any level really well respected offensive mind but you know this is a whole different ball game when you're expected to be the CEO and the leader and motivator and organizer of all these people and, you know, calling the plays in this complicated offense. And so it's really, there's, I don't think there's any way to give a reasonable expectation of how he'll do. When you look at some of the accusations levied against the Maryland football staff, I'm looking at a list of behaviors that abhorrent as they may be. My feeling is that they're not all that uncommon to what happens at many different programs across the country. Do you think this is a situation where we're perfectly happy to look the other way 99% of the time, but then a tragedy happens and we're forced to pop open the hood and take a look at what football culture really looks like on a day-to-day basis, and we suddenly find it's too much to bear? I think that that is a mouthful, and you you definitely spelled out a theory of mine and a lot of other people, whether some of these things, you know, if they are true, then they are damning, but for the most part, I've... I, I, I think a lot of people inside the program and around it and other coaches like Will Muschamp who spoke out uh, in Durkin's favor and, and, you know, feel like this is, you know, what it was pretty much standard football culture, putting aside what happened with McNair. You know, you have these, it's, it's intense. It's not like other sports. Uh, it's very obviously macho, masculine sport, lots of yelling and, and questioning guys' manhood and things like that. But when it, you know, when it's presented in that context and you combine it with the death of a player and you combine it with the fact that these a lot of people don't realize that this is the culture of football at a lot of places, then it looks obviously terrible. That's not to condone whatever they were doing, and it's been hard to express that, that exact um, theory that you just offered at the risk of sounding like I'm minimizing whatever yeah. happened there, but I think there is definitely validity uh, to that that theory. Jeff Ehrman covers the Maryland Terrapins for Inside MD Sports. You can find him on Twitter at Jeff underscore Ehrman. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate it. 
There's a new episode of the Morning Blitz every weekday, so we'll be back in your podcast feed tomorrow morning breaking down the biggest college football stories of the day all in a tidy 10 to 15 minute package. You can subscribe to the Morning Blitz on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.